Hello, friends, and welcome to our time together as we look briefly into Romans chapter 8 and a portion that we might call the children of God. Now, you remember in the first week when we did a little introduction to Romans, we talked about how the big important idea is that the kingdom of God, the family of God, is made up of both Jews and Gentiles, and that it absolutely must be made of Jews and Gentiles because God is the God of all people. Then in our last time together, we looked at Romans chapter 6, and we looked at how the process for becoming part of this family is also through blood, and it also gives us an identity, that identifying with Jesus's death and resurrection is the entrance into this family. In fact, we might even say this new humanity, as Jesus symbolizes the new Adam, and all the rest of us coming after him, being not only part of this family, but part of this new understanding of humanity. Now today, we're going to look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 about being the children of God. First, let's just briefly look at verses 12 through 17. Paul visits the same argument that he has made that we are no longer sinners, right? He wants this total identity shift because the more we say we're sinners, the more we sin. And the more we talk about being entrapped in the flesh— the more we find ourselves entrapped by our desires that don't serve us or this new humanity that we've talked about. But rather, Paul says, you are born of the Spirit, and so you need to be living by the Spirit. He goes on in verse 14 to say, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. And when we cry, Abba, which means Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may be also glorified with him. So let's talk for a moment. Paul says, to the, the Romans, that they have become part of the family of God and that their expression of who they are should not be one where they think of themselves as slaves, but rather as being adopted. Now, we need to pause here and talk about what adoption in the Roman world looked like because it really doesn't look anything like our concepts of adoption. Adoption, in fact, usually occurred with either much older children or, honestly, more frequently with adults. Now, see, people in our society, they have this desire to raise children. They want to have children live in their home and grow up with them. They want to participate in that act of parenting. But the ancients viewed adoption as a function of legacy, of procuring a child in order to become your heir. So if you think about it, if a man had no sons or any kind of children that were going to carry on his particular political career, his business, any of his other ways of setting and holding power in society, adoption was a way of maintaining that power. So what it looked like is 
that family would enter into a contract with another family that would give their child an adoption. See, this was a very mutually beneficial, beneficial situation. The child or adult um, from coming into the family would be moving up in society. They'd be being adopted by um, a, a father that had usually more significance, more social standing, often more money, more power. And it benefited the adopting family because the things that they had set up in society, their securities, would remain intact. And this would also go on to provide for the weaker members of the family after the paterfamilias, after the father of the family, died. So it doesn't look like our notions of adoption that really have more to do with a desire to give to someone who has nothing or a desire to provide a home for a child that doesn't have a home. This wasn't that these adopted children didn't have families. In fact, they would go on using their family name and would have connections with their family. There was nothing wrong with that family system that they couldn't be part of the family, but rather they were entering into a new relationship in order for both families to move up or to remain secure. So Paul has to distinguish between slavery and adoption because as you can see, they shared some things in common. Slavery was using another person to get the work or security that you desire. And adoption is similar because the person being adopted is not desired necessarily out of love or altruism or charity, but rather for a specific purpose of benefiting the family. So what does this mean that Paul draws the Romans' attention to the fact that they have been brought in through adoption? It means that they have also been given a specific task or a role to play. God just hasn't included them in the family because God simply wants a bigger family, although that is indeed part of it. But Paul describes what this task is when he says, we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. In other words, suffering on behalf of others is the family business that believers inherit when we've been adopted by God and brought into this divine family. Let's notice, uh, now that we have that understanding, notice what happens when we apply that understanding to the verses that come after this. Paul begins in verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the whole creation waits with eager longing for the revelation of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, and not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation's been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. So Paul's argument is that creation, the whole created order, the planet, the animals, the plants, the people, the relationships and systems, everything, that has been created was subjected to futility. It 
isn't able to function exactly as it was designed in order to benefit all because human beings didn't do the job God gave them. Remember that very first job human beings were given back in the Garden of Eden? To serve and to tend to care for the creation. The good news is that Jesus, which according to Romans 5, Paul says, is the new Adam. And so the good news is that by following Jesus, this new Adam, humans can become brothers and sisters with Jesus and practice being a child of God in the way that Jesus was God's son. The whole of creation, essentially, waits for the children of God to accept their adoption and take their rightful place in God's family business so that all creation can be made right. This adoption is God choosing to partner with human beings. And we've already seen this in the incarnation, the fact that Jesus becomes a human being and God and humans enter into the closest partnership they've ever had. And now when we choose to follow Jesus, we have taken on this family business of, I am willing to suffer in order that something good and beautiful might live and thrive. In fact, the whole of creation will live and thrive. So the good news is that by becoming part of God's family, by being adopted into the family, we're not just titular relatives. We're not just there to bring potato salad to the next family reunion. We have been handed the keys to the family business and said, we need you to keep it running. We need to make sure that this next generation also sees the beauty that comes when people are willing to sacrifice on behalf of others, on behalf of letting something good and beautiful thrive in the world. So it's not just that God wanted a bigger family, but wants that family to continue this trajectory and to keep moving forward as God is using us in order to redeem the creation that he loved and made. Thank you so much for being with me, and we'll talk together next about Romans chapter 12.